You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Uh, Gracious God, as we uh, look at your word this day, we pray that you might lift our eyes to see the Lord Jesus Christ as our chief shepherd, the one who is worthy of our full trust and total confidence and our wholehearted love and devotion. May we see him in his glory. May we see him in his gentleness, his lowliness, his kindness and his compassion. Do these things we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, let's face it. Who really needs a pastor? Who really needs a pastor? I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. For many people, pastors are six days invisible, one day incomprehensible. And for that one day of marginal benefit, let's face it, why should I go to church and listen to a local pastor when I can just as easily go online and listen to, oh my gosh, a global pastor. There are so many online resources out there that now today I can stay reasonably spiritually healthy, I think, without ever having to join a church or know a pastor or elder. I could ask Pastor John. I could watch, look at the book. I can read every Gospel Coalition article out there. And now, thanks to lockdown and online churches everywhere, I can join any online service in the world. Who needs a pastor when I can have any pastor I want, right? Just think about it. In one month, you can have your smallest board of whatever pastors you want. You can start with Matt Chandler this week. Next week, move on to William Taylor. Then move on to Kevin DeYoung and finish it off with Uncle Tim, Tim Keller at the last Uh, of the last week of the month. Why have a pastor of my own when I can choose any pastor I want? If you're not a Christian, though, you might be asking an even more fundamental question. Why would you ever want a pastor? Just think about it. Religious leaders have not had the greatest press in recent times. They peddle lies. They spread fear. They brainwash the weak. And after the Royal Commission into Child Sexual Abuse, how could you even trust a pastor? No, pastors, they're not just irrelevant. No, pastors are dangerous. And if that's the case, then why in the world does our church want to encourage people to become pastors? Well, why do we have a plan to train five people in the next five years for gospel ministry? And why are we moving towards not just having one pastor, but a whole council of them over our church? You know, our standard practice here at Cross and Crown is to preach what we call expository sermons, uh, to preach sequentially through books of the Bible, to build the house from the ground up, brick by brick, as it were. But once a year, we do something just a little bit different. We devote one short series to explore a core doctrine. We look at what the whole Bible has to say about one unifying theme. In one sense, we're building the house, not brick by brick from the bottom up, but from the outside in. We're setting up the framework and the architecture. 
And last year, we looked at the doctrine of the Trinity, for those of you who remember. And this year, we're shifting gears a little bit. For the next five weeks, we're exploring the doctrine of eldership. And my prayer is that by the end of this series, all of us, we might see that pastors and elders, they're not irrelevant and they're not dangerous. No, instead, pastors and elders are actually a gift of God for the care of your soul. They are a gift of God for the care of your soul. Last year, I was talking to a university student, and this guy, can I tell you, he was on fire for the Lord. He listened to every Christian podcast imaginable. He was an active member of his campus ministry, and he shared the gospel with anything that moved. But when I met him, he may have been part of a church, but he really wasn't under that church. He wasn't under a pastor. He wasn't under authority. He, he was leading a group of young guys on campus, but he wasn't allowing himself to be led at all. I remember I asked him, I said, how often do you seek the wisdom, the leadership, the guidance of your pastor? And this is what he told me. He said something to the effect of, oh, oh not much. I just don't really get along with him. I don't really respect him, he doesn't really know me, and I don't really like what he said last time, so I just don't really talk to him. But, but don't worry, Adam, it's all good. I've got my bros, and I've got Jesus. Now, we might not be so crass as to say it that way, but I actually suspect that that attitude is widespread across our churches in Melbourne. That I don't need a human shepherd because Jesus is enough. And on one level, that sounds awfully convincing, isn't it? But even in the beginning, think about this. Adam had God all to himself, but God still said, it is not good for the man to be alone. There is a sense in which, rightly understood, God was not enough. And right throughout the Bible, we see that God always leads his people through human shepherds. He relates to his people through human agents. And so it's therefore not right for us to say, well, Jesus is the only shepherd I need. Think about it, right? In Genesis, God creates Adam to rule creation as his vice-regent, a human king under him. Throughout the Old Testament, Yahweh leads his people through prophets, priests, and kings. Uh, In the Exodus, he leads Israel out of Egypt through the human prophet Moses. In the law, he appoints human priests to mediate between him and his people. And in Deuteronomy 17, he even appoints human kings to rule his people under him. In fact, in Judges 21, the great problem that afflicts the people of Israel is this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him. You you see, friends, the problem in Judges is that there is no king human king. Now I know some of you might think ahead to 1 Samuel 8, when when Israel, they demand a king just like the nations. And you might ask, but Adam, doesn't Israel sin by demanding a human king? But Israel's sin to demand a human, Israel's sin is to demand a human king, not under God, but instead of God. To demand a human king instead of their divine king. To long for a king the same as all the other nations have. You see, in the Old Testament, God ruled his people through human shepherds. 
No Israelite would have been able to say, no, 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 all I need is Yahweh. I don't need a prophet, priest or king. No, the very means by which Yahweh speaks to, relates to and rules over you is through a prophet, priest and king. And even on this side of the cross, Jesus continues to rule his people through human agents. Think about it, when he ascends into heaven in Acts 1, Jesus gives his apostles his divine authority to advance his kingdom on the earth. In Ephesians 4, the ascended King Jesus rules from on high by giving the gift of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers to the church. And then in Acts 20, 28, God extends that divine commission beyond the apostles and now he extends it to pastors and elders over his church. The Apostle Paul says to the elders of the church in Ephesus, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, here it is, of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And in Titus 1, Paul instructs Titus to set right what was left undone at the church in Crete, and as I directed you, to do what? To appoint elders in every town. Do you see, friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, he leads his people today through the gift of pastors and elders over his church. And notice not, that it's not just the gift of one pastor, no, it's the gift of a plurality or a council of pastors and elders. In the New Testament, the word for pastor and elder both refer to that one same position. They're both talking about the same role. And every time that they're mentioned, they're never in the singular. They're always in the plural. You see, God leads his church through a council of elders commissioned to shepherd his flock can you see the pattern of God's rule over his people? From Old Testament to New, God leads his people through human shepherds. Now, some of you may have heard that famous saying, we are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. That's true. It's always accompanied by good works. But it's also true that we are saved by Christ alone, but the Christ who saves is never alone. He comes with his church. He comes with his kingdom. He comes with his people. He comes with his leaders. He comes with his pastors and his elders. Some people might say, I don't need a pastor. But I suspect that the scriptures seem to suggest actually you do. And not just one of them, but actually many of them. Pastors and elders are a gift of God for the care of your soul. The New Testament tells us that God gives us pastors and elders to apply his word to our heart, to, to protect us from spiritual danger, to lead us into greater godliness, and to keep watch over our souls. Do you see, friends, if, if pastors and elders are God's gift to guard us and grow us, then how will you mature if you're not part of a church? and if you're not under the leadership of God's shepherds. Can I say quite personally, pastoring this church is actually one of the greatest joys of my life. But I realized about a year in that there was one grief that I experienced. 
You see, I miss having a pastor over me. I really miss it. I miss having a godly man apply the word to my heart. Protect me from spiritual danger. Lead me into greater godliness. Keep watch over my soul. Now, in one sense, I do have older godly pastors like Al Stewart and and Peter Adam and others who do a wonderful job pastoring me. It's not quite the same. And it's why we as a church, we're, we're appointing pastors and elders across and crown beyond just me. Firstly, so that we might reflect that biblical pattern of a plurality of elders. But also so that as a council, we might be able to pastor one another. And then we can collectively pastor you. You see, pastors and elders are a gift of God for the care of your soul. And God calls us to receive them with love and thankfulness. There is, of course, a problem, isn't there? And it's a minor, or actually it's a major problem. You see, as a good gift as human pastors might be, so often, I don't know if you realize, they fall so far short of everything that God intends. You see, we might thank God for the gift of human shepherds, but haven't all of us on some level been let down by the sin of human shepherds? Uh, Two years ago, you might remember the Catholic Cardinal George Pell, he was convicted for the crime of historic child sexual offences. Now, now in the end, that conviction was overturned by the High Court 7-0. But let me tell you what I found really fascinating about it. I remember it was the date of his sentencing and there were protests outside the county court and the ABC went up and interviewed a number of people who were protesting on both sides. And they interviewed an ordinary Roman Catholic parishioner. And they asked him what his reaction to the conviction of Cardinal Pell was. And this man said something to the effect of, Well, my faith in the cardinal has been destroyed. My faith in the church has been destroyed. My faith in God has been destroyed. I suspect that many of us can actually sympathize on some level with that man's feelings. When the leaders who we once venerated fall from such great heights, our faith in them, and let's face it, sometimes our faith in God, It takes a hit as well. And if that's the case, why in the world, why in the world would you follow these human pastors when they are so inescapably sinful? You know what? God God isn't caught off guard by this problem. In fact, the Bible is brutally honest about the sinfulness of human shepherds. From as early as the third chapter of the Bible, Adam, God's right-hand man rebels from God against God and falls from grace. But the kings of Israel, they're not known for their faithfulness, right? They're known for their wickedness. But the prophets who are supposed to speak God's words, what do they do? Instead, they deceive God's people. And the priests, the priests who, who God calls to intercede for his people, instead mistreat and abuse those people. In Isaiah 3, the Lord brings this charge against the elders and leaders of his people. You have destroyed the vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. Why do you crush my people and grind the faces of the poor? You see, friends, these spiritual leaders, they're corrupt, 
They're exploitative, they're violent, and they're abusive. And in Ezekiel 34, Yahweh, he condemns the shepherds of Israel. Because, you see, these shepherds, they should be feeding the flock. But instead, what are they doing? They're feeding themselves. Just just look at verse 4. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. (laughs) These poor sheep, they're supposed to be cared for, but instead they're exposed. They're vulnerable. They're the helpless prey of wild animals. And there is no shepherd to protect them. No shepherd to search for them. No shepherd to bring them home. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? I mean, these shepherds, right, they should be caring for their sheep, protecting their sheep, feeding their sheep. But instead, they're exploiting them, bullying them, harming them. And I hate to say it, but even in the New Covenant, even on this side of the cross, 1 Peter 5 presumes that there will be elders who will be selfish, greedy, and abusive. No, friends, God is not caught off guard. The Bible is unmistakably clear, yes, about the gift of human shepherds. But the Bible is also unmistakably clear about the sin of human shepherds as well. See, it's not just true that human shepherds are fallen sinners like the rest of us. That is true. But it's also tragically true that some human shepherds will sin in ways that bring active harm to the flock and bring destructive shame to our God. And the Bible shows us that the sin of human shepherds, it's nothing new. Narcissistic pastors abusive leaders, bullying elders. No, they've been on the scene for a very long time. So when we see shepherds like that, when we see pastors like that, we should be grieved. But I hate to say it, we shouldn't be surprised. The last decade of Western evangelicalism has seen a succession of high-profile Christian leaders fall from grace. I remember when it first started, some years ago, I vowed that every time a Christian leader fell from grace, I would take the day off to examine my own soul. But at some point I realized I was taking too many days off because there were just so many cases of sinful shepherding. Mark Driscoll, Carl Lentz, Ravi Zacharias, Jonathan Fletcher, the list goes on and on and on. And it's not just a problem out there. No, friends, I know that some of you have personally experienced the effects of being led by sinful, harmful, and even abusive shepherds. Pastors who exploit their flock to enrich themselves. And I know others of you, maybe you haven't personally experienced it, but from afar, when you see those high-profile moral failures, it deeply shakes your faith. If you've been hurt by pastoral abuse before, you know what, it takes a long time to heal. It takes a long time to rebuild faith. It takes a long time to even believe that church can be a safe place again. 
It can take so long to trust another pastor or elder. And I know what happens, right? You join a church, you hold your breath, and you wait. Because you wonder to yourself, when's this pastor going to blow up like the last one? And if that's you, then our gracious and gentle God wants you to know three truths today. Firstly, God is against those sinful shepherds. God is against those sinful shepherds. You know, one of the hardest aspects of suffering at the hands of a sinful shepherd is the confusion, isn't it? It's the confusion of being hurt by someone who's supposed to represent God. And we keep second-guessing ourselves. Am I right? No, I can't. No, this can't be right. Surely he can't be wrong. He's a pastor. He's on God's side. God's on his side, isn't he? And I want you to hear this. God is against those sinful shepherds. In Jeremiah 23, 32, Yahweh says, I am against those who prophesy false dreams. The Lord's declaration, telling them and leading my people astray with their reckless lives. Did you hear that? God is against them. Secondly, God will vindicate you. God will vindicate you. I know it might not feel like it in the moment, but you need to know this. God is not indifferent to your suffering. He is not uncaring towards your hurt. No, He is grieved for you. And He is even angry at those sinful shepherds for what they have done. Listen to what He says in Ezekiel 34.10. Look, I'm against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. See, brothers and sisters, one day God will prevent those shepherds from ever hurting anyone again. He will judge those sinful shepherds and He will vindicate you. Thirdly, and most importantly, God, God Himself, will be your good shepherd. Just look at what Ezekiel promises in chapter 34, verse 11. For this is what the Lord God says, See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As the shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. You see, friends, God will himself will be the shepherd that Israel always needed but never had. Did you notice in verse 4, Ezekiel condemns the human shepherds? Look at what they haven't done. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays or sought the lost. But, but now look at verse 16 and see what God himself will do for his sheep. See what God himself will do for you. God says, no, I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. Can you hear the tenderness in those words? Can you feel the gentle compassion of our God? I will be your one true shepherd. I will do for you what your sinful human shepherds never did. 
I will lead you. I will care for you. I will love you. And I will never harm you. I will be your one true shepherd. I mean, it's remarkably poignant, isn't it? But God doesn't stop there. Because in verse 23, he promises, I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, here it is, I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. Remember, God has always led his people through human shepherds. And one day, not only will God himself be Israel's one true shepherd, no, he will provide a human shepherd, a son of David, a man who will shepherd his people perfectly under God. This man will be the perfect, sinless human shepherd that no human shepherd has ever been before. And God will lead his people perfectly through this one man. I wonder if you can guess who he might be. It is no accident that 500 years later, Jesus himself says in John 10, I, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, friends, Jesus is the shepherd of whom Ezekiel spoke. He is both Yahweh and the son of David. He is both the divine shepherd and the perfect human shepherd. And unlike the sinful shepherds of Ezekiel's day who ruled their flock with violence and cruelty, no, Jesus is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for you. Jesus is the good shepherd who alone can perfectly lead his sheep. Has your faith been shaken by the moral failure of pastors? Have you been hurt by the sin of human shepherds? My dear brother, my dear sister, know this. Jesus is your good shepherd. Are you weak? Jesus will strengthen you. Are you sick? Jesus will heal you. Are you injured? Jesus will bandage you. Have you wandered astray? Jesus will bring you back. Are you lost? Jesus will seek you out. He is the good shepherd you never had, but always needed. And as hard as it is, even with all of that, please, please, don't give up on human shepherds still. You see, in 1 Peter 5, Jesus is called the chief shepherd, and he leads his people still through human shepherds. Ordinary humans, ordinary people, pastors and elders like me and others. You see, the true senior pastor of Cross and Crown is not me. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. But he gives us pastors and elders as his under-shepherds to impart his love, to extend his care, and to give his grace. 
You see, friends, pastors and elders are a gift of God to shepherd your soul. So trust the chief shepherd. Trust him. And trust his under-shepherds as well. If you're not a Christian, I hope you can see that. We're not asking you to follow any fallen human leader. No, we're inviting you to follow the only good shepherd who perfectly loves you and perfectly cares for you so much that he gave his life for you. Jesus laid down his life so that he might save you from sin and death. I wonder, where else will you find a shepherd like him? Brothers and sisters, I suspect that as Christians, we face two temptations, two temptations in relating to our pastors and elders. Firstly, some of us run the risk of venerating our leaders too much. It is good to honour pastors as shepherds under Jesus. But we must be careful not to lift them up as shepherds over Jesus or instead of him. You see, we might do this when we realise we're quoting our pastors and leaders far more than we're quoting the Scriptures. When we're incapable of recognising the weaknesses or sins of our pastors and leaders. Or maybe even when we expect them to be our saviour. If you're someone who venerates your pastors, your leaders too highly, then here's the warning. You're placing your ultimate faith in the wrong shepherd. You'll be just like that Roman Catholic parishioner on the ABC who put all his faith in men and women. And when those people fall, so too does his faith. No, friends, if we're trusting Christ, our chief shepherd, then when our human shepherds fail us, and I promise you they will, our hearts should be saddened, our confidence might be shaken, but our faith must never be shattered. But I suspect, though, that most Christians today face a greater temptation, not of venerating our pastors, but denigrating them, putting them down, not trusting them. And on one level, it's perfectly understandable. You know, if we've been hurt or burnt by a sinful shepherd in the past, our risk is that we'll never trust another shepherd ever again. We'll never truly submit to them, and we'll never truly follow them. And if we do get back into serving in church, no, we'll watch our pastors like a hawk and try to keep them in check. The truth is, in that circumstance, our attitude remains one of fundamental distrust. But Hebrews 13, 17 calls us to obey our shepherds, to submit to them and to make it a joy for them to lead us. Because they are the means through which Christ, the chief shepherd, leads us and cares for us. And on that note, can I personally say, I thank God. I have the greatest job in the world, seriously. I thank God for so many of you who make shepherding this church one of the greatest joys of my life. And I can only hope and ask that you might do the same for Andrew as he comes in and for our incoming elders as well. Friends, we must not venerate our pastors and we must not denigrate our pastors. Instead, God calls us to trust Jesus as our chief shepherd and to trust pastors and elders as his under-shepherds as well. Over the coming four weeks, we're going to look at four ways in which pastors and elders are called to serve and lead the people of God.
But this is where we must begin. This is where we must begin. We must begin with Jesus. For he alone is the good shepherd. He alone is the chief shepherd. And he alone is the shepherd who can perfectly lead us in love. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, who leads us, and who tends to our every hurt. More than that, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. We praise you, God, for the gift of pastors, elders, and leaders over your church. Teach us to submit to them with joy. But even more than that, teach us to receive the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd, who loves us at the cost of his very own life. And we pray these things in his gentle, in his gracious, and in his compassionate, loving name. Amen.